World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepypodsta, the Creepypasta podcast. Hello, welcome everyone back to the show for the creepy stories. It's this one. I'm I'm your resident cryptkeeper, Jeff Kowalski. You know all about it. Uh, I intro the stories. Uh, I make some puns about boils and ghouls. Uh, I'm a regular Sven Gulli. Uh, Elvira. Who else hosts our stories? Those Sammy are the Terry from Indiana. Sammy Terry, local horror host from Indiana. There we go. Oh, I've never even heard of that one. He has I'm... a Wikipedia article. <laughs> I didn't even hear of Spanguli until I moved to the northern part of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, even though apparently he's national, because anytime I look at Twitter trending topics, when that like was like the third top topic is Spanguli for some reason. Uh, anyway, this episode is more guests from the last one. Oh, what am I doing? How is talking? How do work to talk? Ugh. Returning from last week, I have James Brooker. Hi. And Aaron Ayers. Ayers? I got it wrong. <laughs> it's Ayers. Hi. Uh, and we're going to talk about... This one was suggested a while ago. I could probably even find out who suggested it. I forgot to credit last week's suggester. Um, because uh, rather than trolling through all these boards trying to find out the best ones, I either want my guests or my audience to just tell me which the best ones are. Uh, it's much easier that way than reading like a dozen bad stories to find one that would be worth covering. Um, let's see here. This is suggested by stood by Zorkan on Twitter and someone else, but Google Sheets doesn't want me to find out. Uh, someone named Jewel Soriano, who I think is also on Twitter, maybe Facebook. Mm. And what was last when last week's story was suggested by uh, Creepypots of Superfan Jason Lee. Um, so we're going to talk about the Harbinger experiment. Now, James, you chose this one off the list, so I would like you to lead our summarizing. Okay, so the Harbinger experiment is a riff not so much off the Lovecraft story from beyond, but off a riff off from beyond called Banshee Chapter, which is a fantastic movie and everyone should watch it. It deals with, it is fundamentally from beyond, but it mixes in numbers stations and uh, Hunter S. Thompson analog into the mix. Um, and it's worth watching. I think it's still on Netflix. It's great. But so the Harbinger experiment tells the story of, well, the Harbinger experiment, which uh, the narrator is hired into after being canned from his job as a doctor for stealing medicine, uh, it is sold to the participants as an experiment into the effects of isolation onto the human mind, but in reality, the uh, head scientist who is pseudonymously named Zimmerman is trying to open a portal between worlds momentarily, allowing three random entities to cross over to our world, and each one of these beings would trap would be trapped within one of the three rooms 
games, end quote. So they have three quote-unquote volunteers. Um, it is explicitly stated that they are all down on their luck and completely alone, so no one will miss them if something bad were to happen to them. And they are in a subterranean complex in the wilds of Alaska, and uh, Zimmerman is trying to draw beings from the outer dark or whatever into each of these three uh, subjects who are each quarantined in a room in the sub subterranean complex. Uh, it goes predictably horribly and uh, basically everyone dies except for the narrator who narrates the story and says, yeah, watch out. Uh, subject three is, is, is coming for us all. Um, it's, there's it's a very long story and not much more happens than that that's a it's yeah. mostly atmospheric it's mostly atmospheric and that was kind of so i picked this story because i've been mainlining a, another horror podcast called the magnus archives and it deals in similar themes to this story it's all first person statements and a lot of them revolve around sort of dark science stuff like this and so i thought oh okay this is this is right in my wheelhouse house and um i also suggested it to you for that reason because i did a scan first and the title reminded me um both of um you know some of the the uh things that you've talked about and also some 1970s uh faux sex romp um experiment books that i read when i was a child wait hmm? what <laughs> well so it's called the harbinger experiment and that made me think of the harrod experiment which was um sort of sort of a late 60s early 70s swingers college uh, okay i found it in my parents basement okay i i believe you when i was like 11 <laughs> okay all right that this harrod experiment and kurt vonnegut those were your you, you weaned on those um so yeah it is it is a really atmospheric uh story um i i what i wanted to do before i was really familiar with the um thesis statement of this podcast because again this was a conversation we were having while we were out for dinner and drinks <laughs> um, was I wanted to re-edit this and read it aloud because the bones of the story are solid but there are many places where I go okay this should be punched up now granted I have not had anything published online that got like a 9.7 out of 10 rating on creepypasta.com so you know <laughs> much respect to, to, to the author here but um I'm looking at I'm looking at one line in particular. Uh, the noise (parentheses) or more accurately, the lack of noise (close parentheses) was also a tremendous source of fear for me in those bleak, narrow hallways. And the construction, the noise, or more accurately, the lack of noise, is some Bernie Topin crap. It's <laughs> if if I were a singer, but then again, no, from your song, right? It's it's like, yeah, I know you're not a fan of Bernie Topin. <laughs> but it, but it's, so, so why? You know, I have a, I have a better I have all, another good uh, reference point in that this reminded me very much of a straight-faced Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. And you you, you stole my thunder because I thought, okay, you're writing something called the Harbinger Experiment. Go, go full Garth Marenghi Crash. on it. Blood, 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 and bits of sick. Um, so I am not familiar with creepypasta as a genre, but I am familiar with really garbage 70s and 80s horror paperbacks. I collect those things. Give me something with Your like... Uh, yeah, uh, those are 90s horror 
paper bags. Oh, excuse me. But yeah, give me something with like an embossed one or two word foil title and like a big splashy gory picture on the cover and I'll 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 check it out. I mean like like a like They Thirst by Robert R. McCammon, which is actually a pretty good book. Robert but, R. McCammon's really good. Yeah, Robert R. McCammon's really good. Or or um what's what was the one that burned me recently? Oh, Catacombs by John Ferris. I I, I picked it up and I was like, all right, a blood-drenched orgy of horror was promised on the back and it didn't deliver, but it's like, okay. So so I kind of interfaced with this story on that level. Like if I were reading a a 300 jaundiced paperback that I picked up at seller stories for a buck 50, you know, how would I, how would I think about it? And as, as I said, I like the plot. I am a sucker for this sort of dark science fooling around with things. Man was not meant to know thing. Um, and there's one, there's one bit of genuine horror, um, where the narrator, th- th- one of the one of the hooks is that the uh, entrance to the subterranean complex is covered over by a slab, and when it, when it all goes pear shaped, uh, the narrator basically leaves everyone else to die. Um, he gets out and he, he closes the lid on top of the uh, the ladder and just bails. Um, and it's it's kind of implied that he, I think it's implied that he left everyone else there. Uh, to to be eaten by Subject 3. And they weren't all going to be chock full of ghosts anyway? Nah, I don't... Th- if they hadn't taken the... the right, that's the, that's the other thing, because, yeah, that's the... There is a... there is a It's a it's a two-stage experiment, because there is a solution administered to the three subjects, and then some eldritch chanting. Yeah, it's... Um, and, it's and so, very... The methodology of the experiment is unclear, and it bothered me a lot, because I want to know how they got to the point where they know how to summon entities from another dimension and how those entities uh, exist in our world. I want to know a little more about that rather than the boring part, which is uh, summoning them and they kill everybody. That's like the third act. You got to give me some of that first and second act. Right. Because it's implied that that Zimmerman has workshopped this enough to go, okay, no, it'll only work on humans. So, so where did they go if he didn't have humans previously? I'm sure that there's like a there's some like montage sequence set to a jaunty '80s tune where like <laughs> mice are just exploding in in glass cages or something like that. And he's just wor- working his way up the 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 ladder, so to speak. He's got um, a basement full of haunted dogs. Um, what song would it be? Gosh, that's Mother. a good question. That would work. That would work. I was trying to think of them. Yes, yes. There we go. Um, and, 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 and there is also a dash of, hey, let's take a pop song and use it to heighten the horror, which I think is a little bit cliche. Um, it could, because it could be, yeah, like Tainted Love or something would fit pretty well. well. Tainted Love would work, but what I was talking about, like, the... I was the, thinking, like, doing the Neutron dance. Oh, yeah, okay. they have one in here. They have a Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, the, the tiny, the, yeah, the Tiny Tim song, which I, I think that insofar as I feel that using a pop song or an old standard as a way to evoke horror by juxtaposition, I think that using Tiny Tim to do that heightens the contradictions to the point of parody. Right, because if you have enough dead-eyed lab experiments you don't need, going on, you don't like need, you don't, uh, Tiny Tim is just automatically going to be like... It's going to be funny. It's I mean, not juxtaposition, really. No, it's exactly. Like, it's like, uh, and, and then in the midst of all this horror, Barnes and Barnes's pop hit Fish Heads comes on. And it, it, it like... It, it, <laughs> dead puppies. Dead puppies. 
No, that's the montage music right there. <laughs> dead puppies. Dead puppies. From Dr. Demento's greatest novelty yes, CD like, of all time. Dead puppies aren't much fun, folks. Um, so now that we've got the, the movie adaptation sorted, we just need to obtain the rights to dead puppies, and and then we'll be fine. Um, this, specific, and, 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 this specific Tiny Tim song I don't think can be effective in any piece of media ever again, because it was used in a very early first season Spongebob episode, and now is forever associated, in my mind at least, uh, with Spongebob Squarepants. So I'm like, I was, I was listening to this story on YouTube, and it like the song very faintly plays in the background and i'm like oh my god mm, you have an ominous british accent and you're totally undercutting your reading of this story by even hinting at that song <laughs> by <laughs> suggesting spongebob square pants yeah so I, I i just i recently finished reading a 500 page horror novel where nothing happens it, it, it's the ceremonies by ted klein who's a great oh. author who is a poor novelist i would not recommend this i'd recommend his short story collection but it is it is incredibly atmospheric and with a garbage scooby-doo ending uh hilariously so uh but it, it, it was it was fresh in my mind as i was reading this because i was reading it essentially coterminously uh with this story and and i'm looking at a paragraph right now from from td klein's the ceremonies um Below it, one short leap away, the man sits hunched over the table, absorbed in his writing, his breathing harsh in the quiet of the room. Near his head, several gnats and a tiny green moth dart round and round the lamp. The man is soft, plump, and white, like the grubs it has sacrificed in the forest this morning. But when the claws rip through his flesh, the white will turn to red. Now that's super cheesy writing, but it leans in hard enough to the cheese to be like he's having fun with it and yeah. it's 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 very much like vincent price squared levels of archness in the description but 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 it works and so i was reading the harbinger experiment and i wish i like i was like no go go further with it be be cheesier like just lean all the way in and go for it and do it and it's like it's like 60 percent of the way there yeah i think yeah. it was just a little bit more serious than i hope regardless i would still play the harbinger experiment as a first person shooter <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this uh this story it's actually the plot of prey Oh yeah, Smaller pretty much. Price. Yeah, this this story definitely is a lot like, uh, like okay, guys, uh, you don't have to take your creepypastas this seriously. You can write something stupid. You don't have to be afraid. Like it's it's to continue. It's long too. Yeah, it's too long for how little happens. To take the comparison to first-person shooters, there they should have been going for Doom, and instead they settled for like Call of Duty Black Ops. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, it, it and it's and and I, I I guess it also suffers through no fault of its own, uh, for being the sort of story that I really like. And so I'm going, okay, I've seen this done better three different places <laughs> um, because it is it is very much the from beyond plot. And so you've got the story from beyond, you've got the movie adaptation from beyond, and you've got the riff on the adaptation Bansu chapter, as mentioned at the top. And so it's like, I would probably rather be consuming one of those than than this and it's a it's a solid plot obviously but i i think that and i think it's solid enough writing that i don't know you know like where the author is in terms of their own like 
writing development, but mm-hmm. I'd certainly be interested to see more. Yeah, there's there's the, there's the bones of a great story in there, and and there's a lot of it that I like that I would I would like to see, like. If it turns out that this is this is juvenilia and the the writer goes on to do great things, that would make a lot of sense to me because there is a there's enough uh, germs there yep. that I would give something else by this author uh, another shot. I get the f- again, I don't I don't uh, I was, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say I get the feeling we may never know who that author is. It's credited to someone named Zion J Z Y O N space J, uh, and they seem to have nothing else on the internet except uh, reposts of the Harbinger experiment. And I was going to ask you about that. Like, how how accurate is the provenance of most creepypasta these days? Because it's it's almost all pu- published pseudonymously, right? Uh, yeah, for the most part, um, people publish them either under a pseudonym or just totally anonymously. Um, <coughs> occasionally, we're in this sort of weird era of internet historian uh, culture where even a meme that has gotten completely out of control can be reclaimed by the creator like um we've seen oh, like Pepe the Frog yeah or we've this seen f- or this is fine we, we've seen Pepe come back we've seen Casey Green actually um fully retake Question Hound and the This Is Fine comic into uh like a doll and a mug and um that's been nice and actually relevant to this show Candle Cove spread a lot through 4chan um and w- was eventually reclaimed by its author Chris Straub who sold the uh full rights to a uh, uh, production studio so that he wouldn't have to deal with any more claims on sequels and stuff online. He could leave that up to them, and he just retains the publishing rights to the original story, and it's nice and clean. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we can... more easily find out who wrote some of this stuff, but if it's older, like, this story is from 2009, we're just never gonna know who this person is. They may have continued writing, but they probably use a different handle now. Oh no, sorry, this one's 2013. That's still a while ago. Uh, I had another story open in another tab. The Harbinger Experiment reminds me of... A very bad creepypasta that hits, like, all of the bad creepypasta markers. Like, when you Google it, one of the results is uh, Snopes message board discussion, like, did this happen? Uh, It has, like, an experiment, which is a common genre of creepypasta. It's called Gateway of the Mind, um, and it ends with a line uh, of a guy who's been deprived of all his senses saying, I have spoken with God and he has abandoned us. Uh, so it's got, like, that very corny, overly dramatic, like, 80s Lovecraft adaptation style of, um, writing, and Harbinger Experiment reminded me of this story a lot, except it's about five times longer at least. It took 45 minutes to listen to the YouTube reading of Harbinger Experiment, which I think is kind of unacceptable, considering there's really one thing that happens. And you could watch a Tales from the Crypt episode in 45 minutes. Exactly. exactly. I, th- I feel like the the it, the creepypastas should be slightly more snackable. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, how did you encounter this story? I know we discussed last episode that James sort of understood all the twists about Mrs. Willison's jam before going into it, but uh, he seemed pretty stoked to talk about Harbinger experiments, so I don't know if you came into it <laughs> clean or not. 
Um, yeah, actually, no, like, I read this first. I think I read it before um, James read it. So, and I just experienced it as, um, I was viewing it sort of as a video game, or um, I've also seen From Beyond. I don't know if I ever actually watched Banshee Chapter. Um, I kept falling asleep, um, which is no comment on Banshee Chapter in the slightest. Um, but, uh, and so... I was focusing on the writing and the atmosphere that it was creating, but it was pretty clear, like, okay, well, this experiment's going to get out of hand and everyone's going to get eaten or whatever. I mean, even even towards the end where I think he do- the narrator does make it clear that he has escaped and let, er- and let everyone else die, but the, the subject three is coming for him. Exactly. Um, like, he's not going to ultimately escape. Yeah, he started hearing um, the Tiny Tim song uh, in quiet moments, and that's how he knows. Right, right. Tiptoeing through the, the tulips, tulips. <laughs> having a wonderful time. Um, <laughs> and so you know, it, it, it to me was less punchy than um, than others that I've read, but uh, but I, I did appreciate the the atmosphere, even if it went on a little bit too long. Yeah, it's. Huh. I'm glad to know what it's ripping off, thanks to uh, thanks to you two being on the show, because I wouldn't have known. Um, but it doesn't make me feel much better about it, because <laughs> there's a lot of creepy. Po- <laughs> like it's, uh, I would say one of the primary and early creepy pasta, like pre no sleep, uh, was oh hey I saw this scary thing, but uh, I'm gonna write my own rip off of it because I think I could do a slightly better job or I have my own take, uh, which is fine, but. It- it's it was like it's such a there's one that we covered very early on from the uh it's the very first scp which has become its own genre of sort of uh yep uh how do i explain it to for people who aren't aware uh they're sort of like redacted documents of experiments and objects being held in a scientific facility uh and most of it is creepypasta wikipedia yeah exactly it is it is it is it is a, a Wikipedia that is itself creepypasta. So it's the it's the source documents for what would become the stories. Is that a well, the, the documents themselves are the stories because I almost did no. I know, I know. I, but if you were going to write, if you were going to dramatize the, there are dramatizations the of some of the stories, um, and you could you would write. Like, but what the very first one is about a statue that um d- doesn't that can only move when you're not looking at it, and it came out like a month after the Doctor Who episode about the exact same thing called Blink, um, <laughs> and then uh, oh, there's another per- or kind of like the movie Mannequin. Oh, what's that one? <laughs> Mannequin from 1987. Oh, isn't that a romance movie? <laughs> It is, yeah. it is, but she can only move when Jonathan Switcher is there. Oh, interesting. It's like a fun blink. <laughs> oh, creepy. That was sort of a weird See, genre I almost... of movie where women were literally objects that came to life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's it wasn't a great time for feminism, really, in those. But... <laughs> it was like, See, uh, I... weird science and mannequin are pretty much the same thing, huh? 
What about Splash? Where does Splash fit into that? Splash? Well, she is a mermaid who chooses to... It is the Little, little mermaid. mermaid. Okay. Does it have, like, her... She can't speak and her legs are on fire? Does it Does it go there? No, I, no. Okay. And every step is, like, walking on, on knives. knives. No, yeah, no. I yeah. mean, except insofar as walking in New York is kind of shitty. Yeah, like. yeah. But it's not, it's not walking on broken glass. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> See, I almost did SUP 93 um, instead of this, and I am, I am curious to go back and check out SCP-93 and how I, I would have approached that versus this because it, it, it they move in similar circles uh, being about experiments gone horribly horribly wrong mm-hmm. um, I am a huge SCP fan uh, I, I, I and I don't mind the things that are obvious ripoffs because as long there's as it's enough done well well and there's enough of them that they can't all be winners point the first mm-hmm. and point the second you, you know you amortize it over the the whole work and it, it, it more hits than misses yeah and there's yeah, only and 36 done... dramatic situations in, in... <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know that's it's boy meets girl girl makes jam yeah I, a stranger oh comes to town maybe <laughs> a stranger comes to town yeah <laughs> a scientist opens horrible void to hell dimension exactly. i would no i would argue that counts as a stranger comes to town we've already covered that one <laughs> yes uh, Man versus nature. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, man tampers in um, unspeakable forces. Man dinosaurs versus eat nature. <laughs> d- d- dinosaurs eat man. Women inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. Ta-da! We've covered them all. <laughs> yeah. SCP uh, is an interesting one because they, uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot of stories like the Harbinger experiment, but because there is this conceit of writing it as if it's a scientific document, it gives me more of what I wanted out of Harbinger experiment, which is methodology, how they made this discovery of another dimension, how they discovered ways to contact this other dimension, how they discovered ways to pull matter from it, how they discovered that human can host beings from this other dimension. Like, I want to know all that stuff because it increases the horror for me. I know there's some things you can explain that would decrease the horror, but for me, seeing a group of scientists touch something horrible and keep going because their main purpose in life is to know more, even if it's horrible to know, that is a great place for horror to go, and I don't think Harbinger Experiment quite No, it alighted over it almost entirely. Well, and also because I don't think it gets you into into enough of the the mind of Zimmerman or like doesn't like it spends so much time on the atmosphere, which, again, I was OK with. But um, it doesn't like there isn't that opportunity of of having him like continue to push for it. And, and it doesn't even get into the mind of the narrator that much. I mean, he's... He's he's there for the money, he says, well, kind of Well, right, but, but so he's there for the money. He gets canned for stealing medicine, quote-unquote, and then one of the subjects is an addict. So it's like, okay, hit that parallel. Explore that, that thematic... Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy wasn't busted for stealing penicillin, right? Like he 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 didn't he didn't want to go through the trouble of taking four ibuprofen at once, so he he snagged some of those sweet sweet hospital provided eight hundred milligram pills. He's got a and, sweet tooth, so he just took the sugar pills from yeah, the dispensary. Right, exactly. So so it's like okay, so this guy lost his job for this sort of thing, and 
explore the horror of him being presented with the consequences of someone in a similar situation to him in broad strokes, but because he's a doctor and she is a, a, a grifter in Alaska, she is she signs up for this experiment and is killed by it and that could have been him just as easily and that's that, yeah. that that's theoretically scary but the the story doesn't go there mm-hmm. it definitely needs editing and like shaping yeah because like you said there are the bones of a good story even if it's ripping off something else it just needs direction yes yeah uh that's a perfect time to get into our spookiest parts aaron what is the spookiest part of this tale for you um, primarily the end when he knows that subject three is coming for him, because that image of, you know, starting to hear, I mean, I know that the, he's hearing Tiny Tim, um, but the, the idea of having the sense memory of a horrifying time and then knowing that, like, your demise is coming because of it, that's, that's the most significant spooky image for me. And for me, I have to go back to what I said earlier, which is when he escapes the compound and leaves everybody else to die, and just without hesitation, um, which I think feeds into Aaron's answer, because despite that, he only put off the inevitable, because Subject 3 still got out somehow. Which again, yeah. which actually, that, that in and of itself is sort of negated, because in the scene itself, he talks about how the slab that covered the ladder was surprisingly easy to move. And so maybe reinforce it. Maybe reinforce it. Yeah, throw a blanket over it. (laughs) Pull a fence around (laughs) it. Yeah. There were probably some cars he could have like moved if everyone in the facility was dead. I'm sure yeah, their cars exactly. were still there. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and very few horror movies can uh, su- survive the test of thinking about it after the fact. But this is, yeah. I wound up go- thinking about it in the moment and going, wait, why didn't he do X, Y, Z? But the, the scene where he yeah. left everyone else to die was was horrifying to me. Uh, I think for me, the scariest part is, and this is a trap a lot of creepypastas lead you into, and they always disappoint, is they have a really strong intro that hints at some horrible thing that the narrator has witnessed. And they tell you, I don't quite understand what happened, but I'm going to relate it to you as best I can. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Hell yeah, I'm ready for this story. This is going to be like spooky and great and i it sort of gives you a little chill like ooh what is going to happen in this story and the rest of the story did not fulfill on that promise but i thought it was a really effective intro um to sort of hint at these horrible things that happened um which sort of i know that contradicts my wanting to know more about the uh scientists and their methods and the experiment but i don't know it's like it's it's a hard balance to find in a story like this you where it's about them to do better. Here's yeah. here's how you do the story that the way you want it. Same intro, except the doctor isn't part of the Harbinger experiment himself. He's part of the early going where they're trying to figure it all out. And mm. he eventually quits in disgust or is or is drummed out or whatever. And he's telling this story because he sees ads on the subway or in a newspaper or something like that looking for test subjects. And he knows that it's his old boss who has finally figured out how to perfect the process. And he's telling people to try and warn them 
Like, then you get yeah, the best r- of both worlds, right? Story. Write that story for me, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome, glad to help. Uh, alternate one would be just the entire experiment beginning to end from Zimmerman's point of view. You lose that, that sweet ending of the horror coming for me, but uh, you at least know everything, and you have that different tragic horror where the main character knows all of this is their fault and they're being punished for it. Yep. Um, yeah, but, and you might have got, I mean, it would have been equally horrifying if Zimmerman escaped and left everyone to die, and then he, it was coming after him anyway. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's perhaps even more horrifying mm-hmm. because he it, it's his it, fault. He, yeah, yeah, he is the instrument of that uh, particular nightmare. And and I agree on the the opening. When I first read it, I was like, "Ooh, this is this is going to be super spooky." And then it bogs way down and doesn't really reach that. It doesn't ever fulfill the potential that's been laid out in the in the opening. Yeah, well, that's all we have to say about the story. I think. Uh, if we have any final thoughts, now's the time for them before we get into plugs. <laughs> James will be uh, working on writing that new story that you do want to read. <laughs> Harbinger Experiment, Episode Zero. <laughs> and I'm an editor, Absolutely. so I can help. <laughs> uh, works out fantastically. Uh, Aaron, where can the people find you in the ways that you would like them to do so online? The people can find me um, through the podcast that James and I do. It is a gaming podcast called Over the Tabletop, dedicated to discussing two-player board games and card games and dice games. Um, my games not really mind games um and we are at over the tabletop on twitter um on facebook you can also find us at over the tabletop um our... over the tabletop dot libsyn dot oh yeah over the tabletop podcast dot libsyn dot com over the tabletop podcast dot libsyn dot com mm-hmm. uh, that is our website where you, and um we are also on itunes stitcher, stitcher um whatever your favorite pod catching um software is uh, it, it'll find us. Just reach out and grab us. <laughs> uh, and James, that's all the same for you too. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yep, you got okay, it. Cool. Uh, audience, are. you can you can find me in the usual places, weaponizedlanguage.com or the more fun to type URL, funtimes.online, where you can find all my podcasts. Uh, oh, I just published a um, two other pieces from uh, past guests Matt and Louisa Heron. Uh, Matt did a review of a video game called The Sexy Brutale. Louisa did a recipe for uh, cookie cats from Steven Universe. Uh, you can go find those at Weapon language.com they should be in the top bar or the recent posts um etsy.com slash shop slash fun times online if you want me to make you some perler bead sprites or bootleg amiibos uh i will do that for you but don't tell the nintendo police you can also go to did i mention my twitter j3fk on twitter it's locked uh don't follow me if you're some kind of like right-wing weirdo i don't you won't like the tweets anyway it's fine um Patreon.com slash JeffJK, where you can get for $1 a month two bonus podcasts, which are usually me reading a story that we've covered on the show. Um, one for each. Although I think I did psycho- psychosis in two parts, because that story is like two hours long. Um, and I'll write a thing on there. Uh, last month I posted a 
sort of complete pitch for a comic that I did not uh, move on to the scripting phase with because it seemed too similar to some other stuff at the publisher I was submitting to. That's all we have to say about on this show. It's the end of the episode, so just keep on living in the sunlight, loving in the moonlight, and having a wonderful time. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Bye!